another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 10, Episode 6, which is titled The Greater Good. The episode aired on November 6, 2003. Lauren, what was going on that week 20 years ago? I'm sorry, it still fucks me up that we're 20 years ago. I don't know why it still bothers me. But uh, the cult classic sitcom Arrested Development premieres over on Fox. The show, which starred Jason Bateman, Michael Sarah, Will Arnett, Aaliyah Shawkat, uh, David Cross, and Jessica Walter, among many others, follows the bumbling exploits of a rich family after the head of the family is arrested and placed in federal prison. The show was a critical hit, but always struggled with ratings. And after three seasons on Fox, the show was canceled, but later revived for two generally less well-regarded seasons on Netflix. To this, I want to say there is always money in the banana stand. Hey. hey uh, and I might, I may, Lauren, I'm sorry, but I may have committed some light treason. That's fine. I still don't think I've <laughs> ever seen the, the most recent season. I feel like I definitely, I, I definitely saw season four. Jake and I did a whole, like, day. Wa- we binged the entire season in one day, I remember, back in college. Uh, but I don't think i bothered with it's, the uh, second one it's amazing i don't know if i've ever watched the show through in whole i know my friend had the dvds and like we were watching pieces of it so like i parts of it just live in my lexicon but i couldn't tell you if i've actually watched the whole thing or not the first the first two seasons are like unimpeachable 10 out of 10 like they are <laughs> incredible the third season's like pretty good but like clearly a step down from the first two and then like it the, got cut from 22 episodes to 13 episodes that's why yeah, it's it's just not like it's not bad, but it's just definitely not as good. And then the fourth season, it's like kind of okay, just whatever. It was, it was stitched together. You know, they yeah they were. Uh, it's I can't remember. I can't remember if actually if it's the fourth season or the fifth season where where the one person the one actor is like not around any of the other ones and they clearly have to edit around it like the, yeah. the schedules just didn't match up and so there's like one person who's like completely just physically never there and they have to work around it i remember what you're talking about but i can't remember who it was um and now just for lizzie this the matrix revolutions the threequel that lizzie will go to her grave swearing is actually good starring keanu reeves carrie ann moss Lawrence Fishburne, Jada Pinkett Smith, Hugo Weaving, and ER's own Obama clone, Henry Le- <laughs> Harry Lennox, I can read, debuts and takes the box office crown. It's Obama. It's Obama. <laughs> that still fucks me up. Thank you for that piece of joy. Um, and please, rewatch this movie. Rewatch the whole trilogy. It's I'm good. Is this three? Please. This is three, yeah. Okay. If- it has, still has one of my favorite sci-fi fight. Uh, fight sequences in any movie I've ever seen. If the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have taught me anything, it's that if just because it's your movie doesn't mean that it's everybody else's movie. Oh no, I keep, I was, I I have rewatched this several times over the years and it's still held held up. I have also rewatched the TMNT trilogy over the years and have continued to subject other people to it at their insistence that it's not good. I'm also one of like three weirdos that liked The Matrix 4. So. I need I need to watch it again. I I remember not hating it the first time we watched it, but I need to give it another go. Uh, with that being said, "Baby Boy" by Beyonce featuring Sean Paul is still your number one song. Daniel, what else was on? At eight p.m., "Friends" with the one with Ross's Grant. Uh, at eight thirty, we got a "Friends" rerun. At nine, Will and Grace with the episode "Heart Like a Wheelchair." Uh, I I don't know. I don't write them. I just read them. Uh, and at 9.30, Scrubs with My Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> I knew I knew that one with a P's, Lauren. Uh, this week's episode had an even 20 million viewers tuning in, directed by Richard Thorpe, doing his 22nd out of 31. Last time we saw him was late season nine with Things Change, and written by everyone's favorite, Whoa. everyone's problematic fave, R. Scott Gemmel, doing his 19th out of 32. And uh, last time we saw him was uh, just a few episodes ago with Dear Abby. Uh, and no Carter this week as he continues his African vacation. All right. Uh, we're going to open this episode with an audio clip here. Uh, Susan is reading, to ben, is reading to Ben, a.k.a. Bob Hope. The friend had, in a weak hour, spoken with sobs of his own death. He had delivered a melancholy oration previous to his funeral and had doubtless in the packet of letters presented various keepsakes to relatives. But he had not died... And thus, he had delivered himself into the hands of the youth. 
Oh, so, uh, sorry. Are you taking your enalapril? Uh, yeah. Do you want me to bump up your Lasix? Coffee does the same thing. It also raises your blood pressure. Well, as luck would have it, you gave me a pill for that, too. You want, you want more espresso? Not unless I'm gonna fly to work. The latter felt immensely superior to his friend, but he inclined toward condescension. You don't, uh, you don't have to keep doing this. Well, I've got time to finish the chapter. I've never read this before. It's good. You, uh, you don't have to keep, keep coming here. I don't have this book. I'll keep it. I'm, I'm never going to read it again. That's why I'm here. That and the coffee. He died at 29. Stephen Crane. TB. Just a little, little trivia. Nice. Very cheery. He adopted toward him an air of patronizing good humor. His self-pride was now entirely restored. I, I could just listen to a whole episode of this. I'm just saying. I love right. the two of them so much. The chemistry is so good. Bob Newhart plays off Sherry Stringfield perfectly. Like, just, just all of it. Except I do want to cringe every time he says espresso, but that's just a me problem. Yeah, give me, give me an entire, like, give me the road trip episode between Susan, <laughs> Susan and Bob Newhart. Like, I want that, I, I want that in my head canon. Like, I, I could do with an entire episode of just, because we don't really have a good Susan standalone episode. No. Like, I would, I would love for it to be with Bob Newhart. That would just be so lovely. And also, I do love the thing that they did where they tie what she's reading in with kind of how uh, Ben is by the end of this scene, mm -hmm. where, like, that's that back half of what she's reading is, like, exactly kind of the attitude he just had with her. It's mm -hmm. just, it's a nice little touch. I like it. It's a good little sprinkle. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, we, we have a new character here, uh, the <laughs> new convenience store. Uh, Sam and Frank are coming from the new store that replaced Doc that replaced Doc's uh, because there was free donuts. And Frank's like, well, this place is already better. And Sam's like, well, I don't think they're going to have free donuts every day. Cute little banter between the two of them. There is a lot of Frank this episode, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it uh, seems like, which is fine by me. We love Troy Evans. But a woman pulls up outside in the ambulance bay saying she may be having a miscarriage at 24 weeks. And Daniel... Yes, uh, Denny is this uh, first patient here uh, who will be with us kind of throughout the episode. Uh, she is played by actress Allison Smith, who appears in appeared in stuff like uh, The West Wing, CSI, and the TV series Kate and Allie, which is like a TV series that I know I watched because I feel like I have like the vaguest of memories of it, but it was just old enough that I wasn't quite conscious of what was going on around me. Mm, like it was, gotcha. it's one of those shows that like, I know was a thing and I know was really popular, but I couldn't tell you the first thing about it. Gotcha. Uh, and then we see Jerry with a puppy in a box. Uh, Chen's getting some snuggles. So this, <laughs> there's a, a litter and this one's the last one that he's trying to find a home for. This puppy is my favorite through line of the episode. Uh, we get a lot of Jerry this episode yeah. too, which big, is also fantastic. Big old Jerry with tiny little puppy is a recipe for gold. Like, yeah. just, again, this is yet another one that I was like, just give me that as the whole episode. Just let's see Jerry trying to pawn off this puppy on somebody. That's that's gold. Yep. Uh, and then a pharmaceutical rep shows up with snacks and bribes and treats for the residents. Yes. Uh, another, we haven't had a good drug rep storyline no. really in a while. This was like, uh, this kind of felt like uh, Linda Farrell from way back in season mm -hmm. one. Like this is this is we have Linda Farrell at home. Uh, Tara King is this uh, actress or uh, not the actress's name? The character's name is Tara King. The actress's name is Sarah Shahi, uh, and she appeared in stuff like uh, appears in stuff like Black Adam, Alias, and uh, Chicago Fire. And this is her only appearance. She's only in this episode, so it's not like we're gonna get a new recurring drug rep character. Uh, but then we see everybody's watching a car chase um, over in chairs, and they're really hoping the carjacker gets past their jurisdiction before he crashes. Nope. He's going to be coming to the ER, unfortunately. And we get in with some bangs, and then we go to Lizzie telling Abby that she needs to stand up to the ER downstairs to not monopolize her time. She's like, I know you've got friends down there, but this is your surgical rotation. Like, you need to be up here cool setting us up for some tension and then 
Luca is telling the residents to send their gallbladder patient home without any additional tests. This is his whole uh, tirade from last episode continues here. Mm -hmm. He wants to save everybody all the money and doesn't want to spend anything for people at all. Great. He's learned how to do it without it. Now he just wants to save everybody. Cool. The Congo continues to rub off. And then uh, Luca tells the med students to tell Denny to drink more water after sex to prevent UTIs because that would help part of what's going on with her, I guess. Um, and Romano applauds how fast Luca is moving patients, but tells him to bill more. He's like, we got people with insurance. Check more boxes off. That's how we pay your salary. Uh, I believe Luca tells him uh, to tell the patient to pee after sex. You're right. It was, it was pee after sex, but in my mind, that was like, drink more water and then you'll pee more. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Lizzie. You are right. It is. Yep. That's just what the healthcare people among us coming after us for poor sexual health advice. How about this? Drink more water before sex so you pee after Ah, sex, and then you have. So thank you, Lizzie. I apologize. Just generally, that's good advice. Yes, Uh, it is. Both ends of that, really. Drinking more water and peeing after sex. Both, both good advice. Uh, but so yeah, this is kind of like this is a lot of walk and talk with Luca here and the mm-hmm. med students, and so we get kind of a, a succession of one-off patients where he's like seeing a guy f- or or a, or a lady for you know about thirty seconds, uh, and one of them uh, is a Hispanic construction worker who I think is in for like a cut on his hand or something. Um, very blink and you miss it patient, but I did notice him because he's very noticeable from a visual standpoint, like he's very recognizable face. Uh, especially so we all do the swiping of the reels on the various social media apps right like the short form content videos like they just it's addicting on the instagram the instagram you know we we get ours filtered through instagram because we're filthy millennials like we're not we're not young enough to be on the tiktok on the regular i was on the i was on the tiktok and then we decided not we decided there's a lot of privacy concerns with tiktok and how they use your data right with Giving it to the Chinese, but, yes, I but am, there is very much Insta. there's very much a generational divide when it comes to yep. where where you consume your short form content. Like you know, uh, bring back Vine. And so like, <laughs> I kind of I kind of sample. Like I sometimes will get mine from Instagram. I will sometimes get mine from Facebook. I will sometimes get mine from YouTube. Like I will just kind of like sample around. Well, because you know you know you, and, you, and, you don't you don't and, like and what one's are, giving you our thing. You don't like what one is giving you, you swipe to another. And so, like, they are sort of, like, algorithm-driven, um, but yet they're all slightly different. And I, I find this very interesting. I promise this has a point. I am getting to the point. Go uh, but, <laughs> but so, like, uh, Instagram will give you something. Facebook will give you something. YouTube will give you something. And I have noticed, just, like, purely anecdotal evidence, I have noticed that YouTube is the fastest one to go hard into just like, oh, you've been swiping for three minutes? Great. Would you like to talk about Andrew Tate? Would you like to like see Joe Rogan? Would you like to like go What? Would you like to go real hard right wing just immediately? Like I know you were looking what at NBA fuck? highlights two minutes ago, but here, here's a guy telling you, you know, just all about flat earthers. Like it's, it's, it's just real bad, Lauren. It's so bad. And it's so weird how YouTube is the worst one with that. And I say all that to mean that, like, YouTube feeds me the most Joe Rogan-driven content of any of the major social media platforms. And so this Hispanic patient here, not all background actors are created equal. This uh, this Hispanic patient here is uh, played by actor-slash-stand-up comedian Joey Diaz, who is uh, appeared in stuff like the Sopranos spinoff movie The Many Saints of Newark, uh, The Longest Yard, I assume the Adam Sandler remake uh, from around around this time uh and i put down in his filmography here joe rogan's personal ball washer because he's usually one of joe rogan's like sloppy sidekicks who just like ends up on the show a lot to tell like gross stories about when he like you know did something that was probably ethically questionable to or with a woman uh so you know he's just yeah but he has i've seen so much of this scumbag's face from being fed that content on YouTube that as soon as I saw this scene, I was like, it's that fucking guy. Like I don't find him interesting or compelling, but I did definitely recognize him the second he was on the screen. The definite definition of an, Oh, Hey, it's that guy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, prior examining Denny, the baby's okay, but she's already had two miscarriages before. So they're giving her meds to try and delay her labor. Uh, two minute ETA for the, for, for a car crash trauma. Uh, Kevin Dunn was 32-year-old, he was the carjacker in the uh, incident that they had. 
Did anyone else chuckle at the uh, the Kevin Dunn name? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> for, for our contractually obligated wrestling reference? A little uh, bit. For, for the uninitiated, if you have any passing familiarity with particularly WWE's brand of uh, programming, Kevin Dunn is the reason why the camera sucks and has sucked for, like, 30 years. Uh, he is the master of, like, the shaky cam thing where, Ugh. like, every, every time. look over here. And then look over here. Right. And look over quick here. Cuts, as fast as I'm saying this. Quick look over cuts here. like you're a fucking Adderall addled seven-year-old just just one harsh cut after another right into some his, shaky cam his cinematography his cinematography is the big reason i can't watch wwe aside from content and flashy lights yeah it's just not and good Vince it's not good I, yeah that was thrown in with content but yeah <laughs> but yeah i just chuckled at the uh the naming convention there uh so yeah we'll see we'll see and hear more of kevin throughout the rest of the episode but we go from there to sam and susan making fun of the residents getting excited by all the stuff the drug rep brought in look i think i've mentioned this before but as as somebody who grew up the child of a private practice uh employee drug rep day was always the best day (laughs) like you get the cool pens you get the little like notepads you might get some leftover like red lobster if you play your cards right like they're a horrible horrible predatory part of the medical field but like as a kid who's like benefiting from the side hustle 10 out of 10 no notes like give me drug rep day every day of the week i was a hundred percent on board uh, we see a man come in screaming at Sam about a billing form. She tries to send him up to billing, and he says he was already there. Uh, he's complaining uh, because they billed him $2,000 for, I think, his son who was brought in. Who had, like, a like, fever, had, like, and a they fever. never did anything. Yeah, and he's, uh, she ha- he says something about having uh, the child having been examined by Carter, to which yeah. uh, Sam replies, he doesn't work here anymore, which is a nice, nice touch. Uh, and uh, she's... Also uh, examining a homeless man named Ernie who comes in with maggots on his bandages, which is a gross sentence and an even grosser visual. But I do love how she's like, all right, we'll get you bathed and everything, but your friend's got to go. Yeah. Like, very cute little. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, security tackles our friend here uh, in front of the glass. Not Ernie, but the angry man who is ranting about his uh, bill. They tackle him in front of the glass because he comes back with, like, a trash can or something and, like, is... Something... Something that he's like beating on the bulletproof glass with, uh, and it's uh, not great. Uh, but the angry dude is a total oh hey, it's that guy. At least for me, maybe for Lizzie, depending on if she made it this far in uh, Sopranos. But uh, Jason Serbone is the actor's name here, and he's appeared in stuff like Taking of Pelham One Two Three, Cloverfield, and a uh, memorable uh, run on uh, The Sopranos where he played Jackie Jr. I'm not sure if that's a storyline that you made it to on your Sopranos watch or not, Lizzie. Uh, but I don't uh, remember. Yeah, Jackie Jr. He was the he was basically the the fail son of one of the other like well regarded mobsters, and he's like supposed to be the heir apparent who's supposed to like take over the family one day. But the problem is he's a dipshit and he can't get out of his own way. Uh, so doesn't doesn't end well for Jackie Jr. Let's just put it that way without getting into spoilers. Um, but we will see a little bit more of him. A little bit later in the episode, we get our next patient coming in, brought in by the medic, uh, paramedics, Zach, a kid who suffered a six-foot fall, uh, and says that he doesn't want any medicine and can take whatever pain uh, is uh, going to be coming from the stitches. And Luke is like, "Oh, we got a tough guy," kind of thing. Uh, no, it's our Scott Gimble day, so we have to have an ups- a very upsetting storyline for no reason. I mean, yes, but. Like by R. Scott Gemmel standards, this is relatively tame. Like I, this, I this have is an to, Emmy winner by yeah, R. Scott Gemmel. I have to give him credit that like he's at least rounding off the edges on his really upsetting storylines. Um, they've they've traditionally been so much worse. Uh, but Zach here is played by actor Michael Angarano. I'm gonna say Angarano, maybe soft G. Who knows? Uh, but he uh, has appeared in stuff like Sky High, uh, 2023's Oppenheimer. Uh, and almost famous. Uh, Pratt's in trauma for the victim of the carjacking, and there's too much blood in the eyes for Abby to oh. see the guy's pupils. So it's like, and it's like, Abby, can you start an IV? She's nurses IV. The nurses start IVs, and then Romano, of course, says, chimes in with spank him, Abby. God, <laughs> he's just all over the place this episode. But yeah, when they say, oh, there's too much blood around the eyes, and you get that shot of the face. Bleh. Bleh. Uh, um. 
Reminds me of a wrestling match Lizzie and I just matched yes- watched yesterday. Jesus uh, Christ. Wrestling's disgusting, you guys. Watch it. Uh, but then we check on the trauma with uh, Kevin Dunn, and he has an intra-abdominal injury, needs to go to the ER, OR. He's in the ER, he needs to go to the OR, and he needs a chest tube. Uh, Chen says they'll need a surgeon. Romano sends Abby over to help while he checks on the carjacking victim, and she like is working on getting one of the... Uh, the, sensors yeah. what's the other word i'm thinking monitors of? Mo- thank you that's the one getting the monitor to read correctly and he walks in and he's like did you get it yet she's like no i was fixing this he goes oh you're a med student a nurse and a technician now what's next cowgirl like just on point we're not wasting any time with romano before he's gone and i want to again i want to talk to paul mccrane again just to tell him i love him <laughs> and he he you know he kept putting the work in until he's gone and we are going to talk about that in a couple weeks on his wrap-up and i am not ready uh then we pop over to luca working with zach he has no fractures which is good just a few sprains and strains uh his foster case worker shows up because zach hopped over a fence during an outing and ran off daniel yes our caseworker here uh played by actor carlos lacamara lacamara yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, he has appeared in stuff like The Mexican, Ten Things I Hate About You, and Independence Day. And uh, he is, I believe, the high watermark actor for the episode with 128 credits to his name. Yep. Uh, he is insisting that Zach needs to be sedated with some Haldol, that he's off his meds, and just like, you know, he needs to be medicated, blah, blah, blah. He has behavioral issues. We have him with us because of this. He needs to be on his meds. Like this is why he ran off and zach begs luca not to let them take him back so So maybe this is just a me awful for no reason storyline because this is one of my worst fears in life oh no it's it's absolutely horrible like you you are not overreacting to that it is horrifying and especially when you take into account it's a minor like it's horrifying at any age but when you consider this is a minor that this is happening to Mm -hmm. yeah nope it's it's not just you lizzie it's very upsetting all right, uh, the carjacker is being sent up to the OR, but the victim is... Uh, Ooh, candidate, candidate. I put the wrong word a, there. Is a candidate for uh, UNOS, for organ donation. So he is unfortunately brain dead. Lauren said it a little, a little more crassly in the notes. Go ahead. <laughs> in her defense, she was really tired from travel and uh, just, you know... And working. Just trying to get through on- it. 205 emails from four days off. Uh, I may have uh, crassly referred to him as a vegetable. It's okay. Uh, Zach is telling Luca why he doesn't want the meds. Uh, He's been cheeking them because he doesn't want to be a zombie, and uh, his mom is on the way. Yeah. uh, Understandable. Yeah. Some of those meds will really fuck you up. Oh, yeah. No, like, when he was like, Tegretol, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I take for my seizures, but that's not fun when you list all the other shit he's on. That he was Clonopin is what you t- is what I take in an emergency, and one little half a pill, <laughs> just one little half, like 0.25 milligrams, will just. I'm. Gone. It's impressive. It's very impressive. Picks you right up. Nah. <laughs> I mean, I'm feeling better. I took one half an hour ago. Oh, so. thank God. <laughs> and we go from there. Uh, Luca calls Pratt over to discuss one of his uh, patient scans and how he's wasting time and resources. And uh, he looks. So, uh, he examines the dude who was screaming about the billing that got tackled. He's now uh, parked in one of the gurneys in the uh, the main ER area, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, is likely having an anxiety attack about the bill and the whole situation. You know, being tackled. You know, in the middle of the ER. Uh, Luca then takes the bill off the guy's hand and marks off the bill what the excess charges were, which. You know, I guess would make maybe make the seems to make the guy feel better, but it's like you know he's not actually like. No, no, you still got to pay this. You still got to pay it. Yeah, he's just like telling you what was unnecessary, at least like, in his opinion. And then uh, Romano uh, scolds Luca for sharing that info with the patient, you know, which it's rare that I find myself like taking even a little bit of Romano's side, but like, because it's not like Luca doesn't have a. It's that old line from Big Lebowski. It's like, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. Like, you're just kind of like. He's overstepping his boundaries just ever so slightly by going around doing this self-righteous crusade. Uh, And it's like Romano Romano has a little bit of a point there. Um, And Abby says, I thought I was his favorite. Is that in reference to Romano, I feel like? Uh, When when Romano's yelling at uh, Luca there? 
Yep. Whoever's on Romano's shit list. Yeah. Because she's been she's been the one getting the brunt of his shit the last episode or two. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and then we see the drug rep run over to Luca and Abby to uh, sell her meds. And let me tell you, that is not going to end well for this drug rep <laughs> by the end of the episode. Uh, Pratt's telling Susan about Denny. Uh, Susan tells him to send Denny up for, up to the uh, labor and delivery floor. Uh, Frank tells Pratt that Shen is flirting with Coop. And oh. just lovely Frank. As they're going through, he just says, first it's, a sla- uh, first it's a little slap, then it's a tickle, and then she's smacking his ass. Did this... Did this so good. Did this remind anybody else of the uh, Mark, and I believe it's Carol, maybe, who... Or it might be one of the nurses, I can't remember, but it's it's Mark and somebody, and they're talking about, like, wildlife cues uh, uh, about... Yes! Stuff, and, it, yes. and they're looking at yes. Susan... Well, the I, documentary yeah, thing or whatever. I was like, this is yes. really reminiscent of that. Like, there were actually a couple of moments in this episode where I was like, this feels like a little bit of a greatest hits episode where it's like, it's, but it's so good. No, it's good. Yeah, but just like it's it's like R. Scott Gemmel like did a There's speed echoes. watch. Yeah, it's like he did a speed watch of the first eight seasons and was like, how can, how many bits can I cram into one episode? Oh, and then the the Luca. Uh, party continues. Neela comes to Pratt about a patient. She gets treatment suggestions only for Luca to yell from like the other side of the room. Like, no, don't do those tests. Don't need those tests. Do this instead. No test. Test bad. Test expensive. No test. <laughs> that's that's Luca. This like I would just need a soundboard of Luca going no test. And that's pretty much this whole episode. Uh, no capes. No capes. Straight to jail. And then uh, Romano tells Abby she needs to go take a guy up to surgery, even though she needs Corday's approval to do so. And she's just like, ugh. <laughs> like, Romano's like, what are you telling me? I'm a surgeon. I work in the ER. Go take her up. She's like, yeah, no. I do. So. They, they brought that up a couple times since the since the accident yeah. that Romano, because he's no longer a practicing surgeon, has lost apparently his ability to evaluate people's yeah. need for surgery which i find weird like i i get yeah i get if if you could say like oh okay he hasn't practiced surgery in 15 even, years right or even like, even like let's say three to five years like it's been because like that technology moves so fast like if it had been a period of several years i would say okay fine maybe i can understand that there's some reasoning but he for could, why he, he could, couldn't be he could easily be a surgical cons- I almost said consultant. He could easily be a surgical consultant down in the yeah. ER as he's doing his day-to-day duties. It's just, like that's absolutely still a good use of his talent. And it makes but it makes for an interesting, you know, question I guess of like mm-hmm. that I would pose to any of our medical listeners of like have you heard of something like this? Not necessarily obviously Romano specific circumstances, but just a surgeon who is otherwise incapable now of pr- being physically a surgeon like he you know, he or she can't actually physically perform surgery anymore. But it's like, it, to me, that shouldn't impact his ability to evaluate right. someone's need for surgery. His arm got cut off, not his brain. Right. Yeah. There wasn't any cognitive component to his injuries. So like, to me, it seems like he should still be fully qualified to tell whether somebody needs surgery. He just, he himself can't do it. I can't wait to hear what everybody says about that. Guys, we only have like two more episodes to talk about Romano. Please let us know. Like, I just, I want this train to go as long as it can, please. Uh, but then Neela goes to Susan asking um, what she should do between the advice she gets from Pratt and Luca. And Susan's like, Luca's the attending. He kind of wins out, unfortunately. Like, he's the senior ranking person. And then um, Patricia Collins comes in. She is the wife of the carjacking carjacking victim. And Neela takes her to go see her husband so they can, you know, talk about Unos and all that. Yes, yeah. Daniel? No, I just was going to point out here that I uh, would love to highlight this actress and talk about her filmography and everything. But uh, she is not credited in IMDb for huh. this episode. And no amount of Google foo was getting me to find her. So, like, I implore any listener who recognizes this actress has seen her in something else. If you can give me a name, I would love to to look her up and and learn a little bit more about her career. Like, she's not she's like a, so good. She, yeah, she's really good in this episode, and she's not like immediately recognizable. That I was like, I know she's somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure somebody has seen her in something else because she's clearly a, a talented actress based on her work in this episode. But IMDb just did not see fit to credit her, so couldn't came up empty. Gotcha. 
but then we go over to sadness, part two of the episode. Uh, Pratt tells Denny her labor isn't stopping, unfortunately, and her husband is traveling for work, so he can't be here for her. Uh, she says she doesn't want a preemie who's stuck up in the NICU if she has the baby. Like, she doesn't want to have the baby. Um, he's like, no, the baby still has a chance. Uh, she says she doesn't want to have it this way. And we learn that twenty, if the baby is 24 weeks and over 500 grams, they are cons- it is their viability threshold. So over 500 grams, peds will resuscitate. And that becomes very important here in a little bit. And Luca's like, well, that's a shitty idea and a waste of resources. Like, why keep this one baby alive that might not even live when you can treat 20 kids for the same cost? And uh, Susan, I can't remember who she pulls aside... Um, but she's talking to one of the students and says... Uh, Pratt. It was Pratt. Yep. She goes, yeah. first you have to learn the rules and then when to break them. Because mm-hmm. this is a big Pratt versus Luca episode with this storyline. Yep. Thank you. Let them fight. Uh, Luca tells Zach's mom about his condition and over-medication. And mom had a drug problem when Zach was younger and Zach started and left him alone a lot. So Zach started acting out. And she doesn't have cu- uh, legal custody of him at the moment. The facility does, which is all sorts of fucked up. Super fucked up that the parent can't even step in at all for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting, I mean, it, it's very upsetting, and uh, but it is also, I have to, again, give credit. Like, I'm, I am actually enjoying the R. Scott Gilmel behind-the-scenes growth arc. Like, having seen his initial offerings as a writer and being so put off by them, I have to give him credit that, like, again, like we said at the top of the episode, like, he's starting to learn how to round off the edges and not just make these these storylines trauma porn and how to actually make interesting wrinkles in the stories to make you kind of like, oh, th- oh that's interesting. Like, this whole situation here of, like, teen kid acting out, but the mother also has her own bag of shit she's dealing with and there's a custody situation. Like, there's just, like, all these little extra n- layers of nuance to it that make it more compelling without just resorting to just pure you know unfiltered trauma yeah or like denny and the baby yeah like he is getting better i have to give him credit for that like he is a hundred percent getting better it's it's shocking to me that you could have a guy like him writing both this episode and something like let's say mars attacks where it was like, look at these weirdos. Like, that was his whole his whole thesis statement for that episode, which is like, look at these fucking nerd idiots. Like, that was his whole thing. And this episode is, while still a little, you know, rough around the edges at points, it, it it's a clear growth arc. There's clear progression in his writing. <laughs> the, real, the real R. Scott Gimmel was the friends we made along the way. Hell yeah. Uh, but we then see Susan waiting for Ben. Uh, we find out Mrs. Collins is so far refusing to donate her husband's organs, which they make note of uh, in, I don't remember if it's here or at some point later in the episode, but that, it, that that's a common refrain from families of yeah. color. Yeah, Neela says that. Yeah, that that's a, which I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm talking out of my ass completely here. I feel like I have heard that before. I feel like I have heard, I have heard that quote I, before. I can say, like, I don't know if I've heard it directly, but I can say that it would absolutely make sense to me given the history of the medical uh, industry misusing mm. people of color, right. both alive and dead, yeah. for their own research and means. Yep, it's it is. Shout out to Henrietta Lacks. It is not without precedent. Uh, but uh, we then see a woman from neonatology who has come down looking for Pratt, uh, and we find out Denny is not in her bed, which is not great. Uh, Pratt tells Luca uh, that Denny left, and uh, Pratt's like, well. I mean, uh, Luca. Luca's like, oh, well, you know, it was going to happen anyway. Like, he, he's so, like, dismissive and, like, nonchalant about the whole thing. That's the one one bit about this episode that I think I, I take a little issue with is, like, Luca's characterization is a little all over the place. Like, he's a little bit self-righteous, but also a little bit dismissive and a little bit aloof. And, like, he, so his characterization is a little bit wishy-washy, um, but it's a minor complaint given the R. Scott Gimmel curve. So, like, I'll take it. Uh, well, she's not gone for long because a woman comes to the door asking for help and Denny, because Denny is in the back of her cab apparently bleeding to death. Uh, and then we cut over to the trauma room where Pratt and Luca are delivering the baby and the, and Denny says, please don't save him. Uh, he's a boy and his eyelids are still fused shut. Uh, they show, they show oh. Sam remove the placenta. <laughs> like, just... Sack-o-blood. Full, full on... 
nasty. Just, I get it's childbirth. I get it's natural. But <laughs> that doesn't mean I need to see it. <laughs> if, if you want that, watch Call the Midwife. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, Malik, Pratt, and Neil are working on the baby. Pratt weighed him in at 506 grams, so they have to resuscitate. That's what they got to do. Uh, Luca continues to be mad that he is, in fact, doing this. <sighs> and then we go over to Abby, checking on Mrs. Collins, and we learn that uh, the man's sister is coming to say goodbye, and they hear Luca and Pratt arguing in the next room, and because of this, Abby offers to take Mrs. Collins to the family room where it's a bit quieter. Mrs. Collins like, what are like, what's going on next door? And Abby tells her what's going on and what they're doing to try and save the baby. And she then talks to Mrs. Collins about organ donations and how different people would benefit. Walks her through what Yunos would do to him as a donor. And we learn that his organs could help as many as 50 different people. Which I've heard that statistic before, but it continues to blow my mind. And I am continuing to have it on record aside from everywhere else that I have this. I am an organ donor. Y'all, like... Same. No, fam. This... I'm not using it anymore. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. uh, Then we see Susan on the phone trying to get hold of the cops to find Ben, do a wellness check or something because he's late for his appointment. And uh, Alex shows up uh, to wait for (laughs) Sam and admit. And uh, Frank says... Sorry, I just got to mark him down for the shitty kids list for this episode. Thank you. Does he get a tally for every time he appears? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Frank says, dollars to donuts. That kid is already dissecting neighborhood pets. Uh, Jerry offers to show him a puppy and Alex is like where's the morgue and I think Jerry goes over and says that kid ever give you the creeps and Frank goes that's right at the age where it starts devil worship keep an eye on that puppy <laughs> like just so fucking good I could have ah. I could have done with a little bit more of the Jerry and the Frank like just but it, it's I could have so I good this episode it's it's great I just could have done with like give me five more minutes of it like just a little just as a treat give me a little bit more take yeah. out take out the uh Zach stuff and instead we'll have a little bit more Ben and Susan and a little bit more Frank and Jerry there you go all right and uh Ben shows up with flowers for Susan to apologize for being late because he's an old sweetheart and we mm. love him uh he brings her the book that she was reading to him at the beginning of the episode and she tells Chen what she's been doing for Ben, and Frank tells her that the book she was given is a first edition, so it was worth Boku bucks. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Love, love me some Bob Newhart. Like my man is just a like precious cinnamon roll in this whole this whole interaction here. But it's also like tinged with a little bit of sadness too, because it kind of feels like he's like you know giving all his stuff away, like saying yeah. goodbye kind of thing. But. Uh, we find out that Obi still hasn't come down for Denny and the baby. Luca tells them that they need to get the baby upstairs. Carrie comes in to make an appearance, asks Luca why they're holding Zach uh, when his meds look fine. And foster care, uh, we find out foster care is threatening legal action. Uh, the uh, psychiatrist on the case has treatment rights at county, so she's coming to give Zach Haldol. Great. Great. Totally normal one. Uh, Pratt, uh, we see Pratt tells Denny what's going on with the baby. She's crying. She's uh, still very, you know, upset about the whole situation and does not does not want this baby as is. So the the greatness continues. It's all great. Uh, Lucas sees <laughs> Lucas sees Zach being wheeled out after being given four milligrams of Haldol. Uh, was that Ugh. was that uh, the one episode with the the trans girl and the um, or the trans kid and the the mother was yep. that also an R. Scott Gimmel original? Like, is he just doing the bit over again? Like, he's is he just recreating that scene? I have no idea because it did feel like sort of a recreation of that scene. Um, and then immediately after we see that the drug rep comes back and starts trying to sell Luca on things and uh, says that she can put a put a box together for him to take to the Congo and this sets him off oh. and uh he goes off on a whole tirade about why there hasn't hasn't been a new drug for malaria in decades because there's no profit in helping poor people uh and just goes off on her about the whole for-profit drug thing and uh it's pretty intense like it's the clip i pulled for this episode because like it's it's kind of like it's the boil over of his whole like kind of self-righteous thing which like i said is is a little all over the place at times but like 
it, it does channel into a pretty pretty all-time great rant here by Luca. Uh, Susan tells Ben that he is looking good. Uh, she doesn't want to take the book since it's worth a lot of money and that the gift is, is inappropriate. Lauren? Uh, I want to know. He goes, no, uh, my first edition Brontes are worth a lot of money. This is nothing. I'm like, I love this man <laughs> so much. Sorry, go ahead. But just that's my favorite part of that discussion. Um, and he's going to catch a cab home. Yeah. I do appreciate here how she's like, I didn't, she's like, because he backs up and he's like, you know, I didn't want to make you uncomfortable, blah, blah. And she's like, no, you didn't. It wasn't inappropriate. I just, I just can't take it. Cause like, cause she feels like he's saying goodbye and giving away his shit too. So she's yeah. like, I don't want this cause of that. Um, but so I just, I love their back and forth. It's so good. And I love them. Just, I want more of this always. Uh, then we go over to Coop asking for Chen's Chinese name and how to pronounce it and for a date. And she's like, nope, uh, you, I have to go do dinner with my parents or pick them up. And I you know she said I have to go pick my parents up from the airport or something like something that. And he's like, like well, that, I'll drive. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'll drive. And she goes, what? He goes, yeah, and then we can get dinner. And she's like, absolutely not. <laughs> but just shoot your shot, man. I appreciate yeah. it. It's very, uh, it's very interesting that she, uh, she tells him to call her Deb here, which yes. I did not remember her ever yep. allowing anyone in her once we get to like 2.0 chen yep. once we get to jing may i never remembered that being used for anybody no. other than carter so i was very shocked to hear her uh, uh pull that out here yep uh sam is asking if anyone's seen alex and then we go over to the convenience store where luca is playing on the arcade machine and alex starts to give him pointers this was another one it's it's a different vibe but this was another thing that had me going like, God, I feel like R. Scott Gemmel just did a fucking speed run of seasons like one through three and just crammed as many bits as he could in here. This really reminded me of that one episode in like late season one, I think, or maybe early season two at the very latest. It's in it's in the fallout of Love's Labor Lost when Mark goes to an arcade and plays Mortal Kombat for like most of an episode and is just like really intensely like mashing buttons and like very catatonic because of all the like you know built up stress and and built up anxiety about the whole situation um so like this had a, a similar vibe to me of like they were almost recreating that whole uh that whole situation obviously not exactly the same thing but yeah uh r scott gimmel did not uh do that trans episode okay well last season next of kin good uh that was uh d johnson all right well shout out to them for being terrible for that whole episode uh but yeah uh, i just i just it was another one of those like echoes bits where it was like it, it wasn't exactly the same but it had just enough of a similarity to make me kind of perk my ears up a sprinkle uh but then denny is awake says she's thirsty they had to give her a blood transfusion uh, baby is going up to the NICU, and she asks for Pratt to take him away. She does not want to see him. Uh, but Lizzie is looking for Abby. She'd been paging her and gives her a little talking to here about distance from patients compared to the intimacy that she usually encounters as a nurse. She's like, no, we great. We know you're great at the patient part. Now you need to take a step back and do the rest of it. Like, bring it back. Fair point. And then remind romano's asking about the puppy at the desk and susan decides she's gonna take it she's like no he's a seeing eye dog takes it with her oh she's just a little he's just a little she's just a little girl a little friend uh frank yeah frank tells sam that alex is across the street at the market and uh he's playing video games with a grown-ass Cro oh croatian my. man this makes me so mad we'll get there who <laughs> bought him a bunch of sugar even though he's diabetic and Luca thought he was a streak in, and Sam okay. is rightly pissed. Okay, this like, what the so fuck many, are you doing buying ice cream? There's so many things about for, for one Luca. For one thing, yeah, it's objectively weird. Like it is objectively a weird dynamic to have this grown ass doctor man playing games out in public with um with a child. I do love the headcanon, though that that Luca is living in this like Dickensian wonderland where there's just these roving street children right? who just wander into places to play games with grown men. Like what my dude, I know you came from a third world country, but you, you think there's just random children roaming the streets of Chicago looking for arcade games to jump in on. Like also, what? 
What does that say about how shabby he thinks Alex looks if he thinks he's up fucking off the street? Right. Like he <laughs> I'm picturing I'm picturing some kind of like little orphan Oliver chimney sweep kid with like tattered fucking clothes and like coal dust around his eyes. <laughs> Just the it was something about the phrase street kid that really took me out at this point in the episode where I was just like, "Oh, Luca, you 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 sweet stupid oh, man." Oh, Luca, no, baby, no. Street kid. Ugh, I, I can't. Uh, but we we then see Susan showing up at Ben's with the dog. Uh, he replies, are you stalking me? Uh, I love that delivery. The delivery. It, Bob Newhart. Just God bless him. Uh, we then go back. We see Denny up looking at the baby in the NICU. Uh, she just wants to stay and watch him a little little while. And uh, is this her that uh, Denny that says this line? Yeah. Uh, he yeah. shouldn't have to die alone. Yeah. Uh, so an interesting landing on this story here, where it's like I guess I guess she comes around to a certain degree, but you know, not entirely. I I don't know. Uh, and then uh, oh, and then I'm done. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's how much I'm. That's, that's how, my that's how much I'm. God damn it, That's Daniel. how much I'm speeding through. God damn it. Uh, well, we have we have two more audio clips and a and a little bit of your shit to left to go. Uh, so the first of those is Susan and Ben walking along the bridge uh, near Michigan and Wacker like they always do, but this time with a sweet old little puppy <laughs> in, in their arms. Is this a bad idea? Oh no, no. I love I love dogs. I, I grew up uh, I grew up with dogs. My, my parents had a, uh, a cattle farm outside of outside of Gary. So you were a farm boy. I still would be if my mother hadn't insisted on my my going to college. What about about your parents? We're holding. My mom is a secretary. Was a secretary. She wanted me to be a flight attendant. Really? Yeah, that, that wasn't happening. She uh, died a few years ago. Oh. So, uh, what about your father? He's still in Chicago. He's a test pilot for Barca Lounger. He must must be pretty proud of you. You're, uh, you're not close. Not really. That's a shame. Yeah. It uh, it happens. I uh, I have a daughter named named Karen. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't talked to her in years. You should try to reconnect. No, it's not, not gonna happen. You should call her. No, she, uh, she blames me for things when, when my wife died. I didn't, didn't see that coming either. Your wife died suddenly. No, no, not really. She, she had cancer. She fought it for a long time. But we both knew she wasn't. She wasn't going to beat it. Still, I just I never expected it to to end that way. I just had trouble. I had a hard time accepting the finality of it of it all. Okay, I know there's like really important things going on in the audio here, but y'all need to watch this scene because that dog is fucking out like a light. It is just the <laughs> meltiest, sleepiest, droopiest little puppy ever, and I love it. And I was just the whole time I couldn't listen to it because I was too busy wanting to smooch his little paws. It's it's That's Lauren. It's Lauren during every recording. Oh boy, howdy, isn't it? So is this a location shot? Like they're yes. Yeah. yeah. So they this. so they they had Bob Newhart going back and forth from Chicago yep. to LA filming this yep. episode. Yep. That is the Riverwalk TM right yeah. by where I used to work. Interesting. Yeah. Um I I added it I was I added it to Michigan and Wacker cuz technically it's not the Riverwalk. Right, the Riverwalk yes. is down on the lower portion. But yeah, it's it's that general area. It's right by the Lou Malnati's yeah. where we all got pizza, Daniel. Ah, fair. Gotcha. Um so, and then we also get confirmation here that uh, Cookie fucking Susan's right. mom is just dead. Like, the, the yep. we've, which the ultimate. Well, mom. she was in Arizona or something, I guess. Yeah. Nobody's upset about this. But uh, and also too that test pilot for Barca Lounger, that is 100% a recycled joke. She has yep. made that exact joke before about her father back in season three or yep. maybe two. But like she has 100% made that joke before. Yep. Um, so I just, I don't know if that's a callback or if that's just, I think it's just how she describes her dad. Yeah. But like, I just, 
thought that was funny and that perked my ears up immediately also i completely forgot to it has nothing to do with this scene but i completely forgot to mention it i read in the um the imdb notes for this uh episode a they point out in this scene that there's a guy walking in the background in short sleeves and it's middle of november in chicago so like we do that well, I guess now now yeah, we Chicago, do that. In, okay, in, I'm the psychopath that would have done it back in 2000. But in 2000, so. in 2003, presumably, you know, we would have been on a slightly more normal seasonal schedule where it would have been cold enough that you'd need a jacket in Chicago in mid-November. Uh, but anyway, that's beside the point. The thing that I wanted to point out was that back in the scene where Luca goes on the rant on the uh, drug rep, at one point, the camera is pointing at Luca, and in, behind him is the uh, the board, the transparent board. Mm-hmm. And over his shoulder, I did go back and look for this. I think it's at, like, timestamp, like, 31, 32, something like that. Um, on the board written behind him for a patient uh, thing is a, a patient named Bush GW uh, <laughs> uh, with a little, like, plane drawn next to it and something about a physical exam. Um, and it, it's basically, it, it was the, the note, the note expanded on it and said it was basically a reference to him, uh, getting like a, either like a deferment or, or some, something relating to his military service where he got out of something by missing a standard physical. Uh, and like, that was, it was like a little supposedly like a tongue in cheek reference to, to that. It had nothing to do with nine 11. I'm sure that was what everybody thought of when they mentioned Bush and planes, but, uh, you know, it was, and I I was usually those IMDB things are complete horseshit or completely unverifiable. Like I, I read one for an episode we did like a couple weeks ago that swore up and down that some random doctor exposition that somebody was talking to in the episode, I think it was Susan was wearing Jeannie Boulay's uh, name tag. I went back and watched that thing like the fucking Zapruder film. I rewound it like 10 times, like tried to zoom in and like tried to look at it. There is no possible way you could tell. Ex- Excellent deep cut with the Zapruder film reference. I just need to throw that out there <laughs> just, right, that, right now. The CSI style in, in hand. There was just no way you could possibly. So usually those, those IMDb things are mostly horseshit, but this one was one that I actually was able to see. Like if you look over Luca's shoulder, there definitely is a patient on there with the last name Bush and the first ina- uh, first initials GW. Uh, so I just thought that was funny. Uh, but the, then uh, we go from there back to the uh, back to the convenience store where sam chews out luca for playing video games with a random kid valid point yeah. uh and buying she's, him ice cream yeah she's like she's like who the fuck are you like this is this is why are you playing with, you're an adult why are you playing with a child this is a you're a grown-ass man and you bought him ice cream you don't know who he is like what the fuck dude all excellent points you don't know that shitty kid exactly you don't know that kid shitty he doesn't deserve ice cream <laughs> that's the real the real tragedy yeah exactly uh, let's go to our last audio clip here, then. Uh, Neil is talking to Luca about tests and all the different costs of stuff. Can I discharge Mrs. Finelli? I don't know. They're attending her, Mark. Oh, all right. Her pelvic sonogram results came back. She's got an ovarian cyst, so I was just going to put her on non-steroidal. She had an abdominal CT scan? We were thinking diverticulitis. Flip over your chart. What? On the back of your chart, there's a price list of all tests and labs. You ordered a CBC. That's what? $140. A camp panel on UA? $350 and $90. What else? GC and chlamydia cultures, $300. IV start and liter of saline, at least $200. Morphine is another $50. Abdomen and pelvic CT, $3,000. Easy. Did I miss anything? Pelvic ultrasound, $750. $4,880. You could have done a negative urine icon to rule out ectopic for 15 bucks. Performed a thorough physical exam and treated her with a $2 dose of ibuprofen. And this is why we can provide health care for everyone. Hey, where's Logan? Rule out subarachnoids, she was in curtain too. Dr. Kovach discharged her. Oh, neurology finally came down. Nope, I did an LP about four hours ago. You did what? She'd been waiting all day. Her fluid was clear, no blood, no xanthochromia, no subarachnoid. Spinal tap is the quickest and easiest way to rule out an SAH, and it's 100% sensitive. She was my patient. Yes, and if I hadn't treated her, she'd still be here. Now she's at home and feeling better. Oh, so that's it. This is how I'm supposed to learn? Either I do it your way or you take it away from me? Fred, I'm trying to teach you that the way you practice medicine here is inefficient. Oh, and letting babies die is. You really think you saved that kid today? For what? 
24-hour nursing care. He's going to probably require a lifetime of commitment. Are you going to be around to give it to him? Listen, I'm sorry I'm not in some mud hut doing amputations with a pocket knife. We have the technology and the expertise to give that kid a chance. What's the sense of having it if we don't use it? That kid has about a 5% chance of having a normal life. Do you have any idea how many other kids we could have treated with I those do resources? everything that I can for my patients. That's how I practice medicine. This is Chicago, not the damn Congo. Maybe you should just go back to Africa. Maybe you should go to Africa. I know you didn't just say that to me. Maybe then you'd learn that there is more to being a doctor than ordering tests and calling consults for every patient just to cover your ass. Stay away from my patients. From now on, I'll present to another attending. Okay, so before we get into the actual good points made here, uh, the way Lucas says maybe you should go to Africa, it makes it sound like maybe like just like it's a bad comeback. Like <laughs> yeah. maybe you should mean you mean like your, mo- your mom should go to Africa. Like, it's exactly <laughs> it. Like no matter how many times I hear it, I know they're having a very valid and good discussion. But right. every time I hear it, I can't help but hear like your mom should go to Africa. Like it just. But I do. I... Your face, your face is exactly. Africa. Oh, fucking god! I, I do love Pratt sort of hitting him with a much more eloquent version of "What do you mean, you people?" <laughs> like, it's yeah. A, yeah. Like, like, I know you didn't just. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh. it's it's really like I feel like I could have done with a lot more Luca v Pratt this episode, like a lot more of just that direct conflict, like that again. A lot of this episode feels very echoey. This reminds me again of that kind of early season one or, or maybe mid season one stuff. Remember, remember when they went through that whole episode where um, Benton and Ross are just going at it, like and just keep like getting mm-hmm. on each other's nerves and keep stepping on each other's toes and like you know going over each other's head, and it leads to this really like intense argument between the two of them. And you're like, damn, why didn't they do this more often? Like. I could have really gotten down with a lot more of this, this episode, like a lot more direct uh, conflict between these two characters. And again, now that we're kind of wrapping up towards the end of the episode, I feel like it is sort of looking more and more like the Zack storyline is the one to go. Like the Zack storyline is the thing that like, you could honestly delete that from this whole episode. Give us more Ben. Build in more Ben, build in more, more Luca versus Pratt, build in more Jerry and Frank with Alex. And, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that you could have done there if you just removed that storyline that, while not terrible in a vacuum, you know, from a, a drama standpoint, it's also just not terribly necessary, you know? Like, it's it could have, you could have done without, and, and it would have been fine. Um, but they, which storylines like this one kind of get a little bit of a backseat because of us spending so much time on that storyline. Uh, Abby is doing, as we close out the episode, Abby's doing sutures on Mr. Collins for practice as she sews up where they've harvested the organs. And we get a voiceover of her telling uh, Mrs. Collins what, what and how and who he would save by doing this, which I think is just reused audio from earlier in the episode. It's It goes a little bit further it's, in depth. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah. extended. It takes like where she started and then it goes a little bit further because she doesn't list all of it early on. So yeah. it does, it does flesh that out a little bit more. But overall, a very solid episode. Like I said, I continue to be pleasantly surprised by the R. Scott Gemmel growth arc that he's clearly, mm-hmm. we're watching a guy learn how to be a better writer in real time. Um, and there's a lot to like in this episode, but there is also still a lot of it's he's not a finished product. There is definitely still stuff in this episode that you could do without or you could change and make a better episode. But I think it's a, it's an easy seven and a half, maybe eight on its best day kind of episode. Yeah, I I'd say seven. I'd say seven and a half. I, I was really happy that it at least wasn't a stinker that we came back to uh, to work on after the trip. Yeah. I'm just going to say that right now. If this had been a shitty episode, I would have rioted. <laughs> Or if it had been like, a really like labor intensive uh, episode, like it it is relatively ho hum, you it's, know. It's not. It it's was, a low stakes episode. Yeah, it was. It was a good one to come back on. So I I enjoyed it. It was definitely one of the ones like I would pop on with some popcorn. Perfectly serviceable. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing glaring about it one way or another. Fun. Not fun. That's the wrong word. But like entertaining. Not too heavy. Right. I I I dig it. What the listeners have to say about it. Right, I'm going to try and do these, but Daniel, as a birthday gift, I might tap, tap over to you for the second one, which also, as of recording today, happy birthday, Daniel. Hey, we didn't say that earlier. Three weeks ago. Uh, happy birthday, Daniel. His present is I'm going to try and get through these without fucking up and get them done quick. Uh, Emma W. says, This episode really touches on a lot of systemic issues in the healthcare system, as well as ethical gray areas in medicine. 
a lot of powerful storylines, but by the end I was a little exhausted with how real and current many of the themes are. The storyline with the boy who is over-medicated, I'm terrible at remembering names, I'm sure you'll insert it, Zach, left me <laughs> with some mixed feelings. I know there are cases where this happens, but unfortunately I feel like a lot of anti-mental health medication rhetoric claims that all psychiatric treatment is this, drugging you up without concern for your well-being or the or the side effects in order to find a lazy and quick fix to not have to deal with your other problems. From my experience as a 27-year-old who began and observed a lot of my peers navigate this, my mental health and medication journey in the mid-2010s, this story feels a little dated to me and reminds me of some of the older adults in my life who look down on medication for this reason. I was unmedicated for anxiety and OCD about a decade longer than I should have been because I was terrified of losing my personality and becoming a drugged up shell of myself as I had been told medications did without an understanding of different diagnoses and the dosage usage and types of different meds. In reality, my practitioners have shown tremendous nuance and compassion in their approach to treating me and I have been able to advocate for myself when a substance didn't work for me. I know behavior issues and acting out is different than anxiety in terms of how it might wear on the how it might wear on the professionals treating him, but still, I feel like the portrayal of ment I feel the God damn it, I was doing so great. I feel like the portrayal of mental health professionals as villains is problematic and runs counter to the movement to destigmatize medication and psychiatric treatment. The storyline with poor man's Linda Farrell, on the other hand, has aged appropriately because the systemic issues in the pharmaceutical industry are still that bad and the profit, motive, and industry are hugely problematic. Again, by today's standards, I would have loved to see a grimy drug rep storyline in the same episode as a caring and honest psychiatrist storyline to show the complexity of that system. Yes, big pharma is gross. Yes, drug prices are out of control, but we still need medications and practitioners to help us find the right ones. And there are wonderful physicians out there who understand the delicate balance and corrupt roots of that industry and still manage to treat and medicate patients accordingly. A good medication regimen is life-changing, empowering, and often life-saving. This is just my perspective, and I'm curious to hear what you... Th you all think being a little older than me. I'm sure you'll cover the topic of mental health treatment in this episode with thoroughness, complexity, and raw honesty. You always do, and I appreciate you for it. Gotta keep the conversation going. And I'm gonna say, I'm sorry we dropped the ball on the discussion and nuance for this episode because we're all fucking exhausted from our trip, <laughs> which you will hear about in the lounge, and it was a very heavy one for us to talk about. So thank you for covering that because holy shit, this was all stuff that I would have loved to remember to say. So, Emma, this is excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, we will keep more fun, complex uh, conversations going next week on that one. Let me do a little. All right. And at Simply Swooning says, this episode should be titled Both Sides Now. At some point, almost everyone is doing the wrong thing for the right reasons or the other way around. Susan is going above and beyond for Ben. She knows he's potentially suicidal and has no one. And yet she refuses his gift because it's inappropriate. I don't know if it's if going to his house was appropriate either. So I feel like she could have accepted it and then discreetly returned it later. The man is clearly emotionally compromised. Don't make it worse. Luca and Pratt are having a battle of wills. Luca is clearly having a hard time adjusting back to the wastefulness and greed of first world healthcare and forgetting that hospital policy does exist for a reason, even if it's a questionable one. I do think this is one of the very few episodes that unapologetically points out some of the major flaws of the healthcare system, and I was totally with him for getting rid of that drug rep. Between the baby and the foster kid, it was just not his day. In contrast, Pratt is of the mindset that since resources are available, they should be used. Valid point, but he's forgetting there's always somewhere else the money could and maybe should go. Ignoring the patient's wishes for the sake of hospital policy is never a good idea. His point is that the baby has a chance, but at, what, at, but at what cost is the question. It's clear that Abby is not a surgeon. Her empathy towards patients is too much of a part of who she is. Now, Sam, here's the thing you can tell the staff not to let your child in the morgue. You can also tell them he's a diabetic. Uh, or get him a med bracelet, keychain, or something. Or try watching him. Being a single mom is hard, but it's your responsibility, not Jerry's or Luca's. What if he was allergic to dogs and Jerry let him play with the puppy? 
Granted, don't buy food for random kids, Luca, but I see with the day he had how it got there. But Luca, please leave her and her kid alone from now on, okay? Please, solid episode, 8 out of 10. Yeah, that ain't, that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> it's a whole oh, yeah, thing. We, mm-hmm, this, this, As this is, is very reminiscent of Doug with uh, What's-Her-Face's kid in the early, ep- uh, yeah, early seasons. Uh, uh, Diane Leeds, the uh, risk Thank manager. You, the Again, yes. furthering my uh, my fucking theory that like he just did a speed watch of the first three seasons and was like, well, I can fit this all into an episode. But, like, but look what it gets us with the problematic Alex and Luca pseudo parent relationship friendship thing we'll get there oh boy my favorite (laughs) um and my birthday present to daniel is that i'm going to (laughs) keep it short because he has a date with some uh, um, detroit style pizza with with some staggeringly unhealthy daniel what 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 uh, flavor did you go with uh we got a margarita and we got something called the shredder which is gonna be just uh, just as a TMNT fan and as somebody who's going to poop weird later, like, I was, I'm so excited. <laughs> I was going to say, it's going to be time travel because the lounge is going to come out before this episode does. So it's going to be real interesting to see people, like, have a memento effect of you talking about that pizza <laughs> on the lounge and then hearing this later if they even get to this point. But either way, yes, let's go. Happy birthday, Daniel. I'm so glad to be home and have a great week, everybody. Happy birthday.